Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. What a gorgeous weekend it was finally, huh? Nice weather, only get a little bit cool again, but man, beautiful. It's a gift. We'll let that one final hug wrap up here in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for being here. I, I have the pleasure of kicking off a series. I always love kicking off series because then I have kind of a lot of latitude on what I can talk about, and everybody else has to adjust to that. Um, but this one is about Navigate, and I love this series because we talk about so many different things that affect our lives during this series and, it, and it's about finding joy in the Lord. And you'll find each of us talk about different elements of that. Uh, this week, we're going to spend a little time with me. We're going we're gonna to talk about a sailboat and how a sailboat, and I'm going to apply that to the church of God, uh, and how really teamwork and using our gifts are very similar to how a sailboat crew works on a sailboat and gets all the sails in the right position. Um, next week, Mike is going to come up and talk about wherever he's at. He's going to talk about some of the things that hold us back from using our gifts are sometimes baggage, and he's going to talk about how key people God has called in the past uh, had baggage, and they were still called to serve God. Uh, and then Heather's going to come up the following week and talk about the forgotten gifts, and I don't remember what they are, but she is going to remind you what those are. <laughs> I'm sure they're really good. No, they're great gifts. I'm going to let her reveal that. And then, and then Isaac wraps up with, with uh, a deeper discussion on joy, which is so elusive but one of the great authors, John Piper, says we have to fight for joy. So the fun part is we're going to be on a sailboat for part of this. And I want to start out, just those who aren't familiar with the sailboat, I mean, sailboats are powered by God. You know, they are powered, the wind and the weather God has created, sailboats use the wind to go forward. Now, the other thing a lot of folks don't realize on a sailboat, it's not just the wind, because otherwise you'd always be going downwind and you could never get back. God created this other, and I'm going to give you just a little mini physics lesson, this other concept called lift that he uses to actually allow you to sail into a headwind. Okay, so here's the concept of lift. If you think about an airplane, you may not fly after I give you this lesson, but if you think about an airplane wing, it's curved on top and flat on the bottom. Well, the wind has to go really fast around the top to get to the same point. And when it goes really fast, it creates this low pressure, and it pulls the wing up, right? That's how an airplane works. Well, sailboat... Same thing, except it's turned sideways. When you sail into a headwind, you sail a little bit off, off the headwind. God fills the sail with air, creates a pocket of air, and it has to race around the front, and it actually pulls you forward. So that is a lesson I wish I had known before I was at the helm of a 30-foot boat. <laughs> so, so I went on this sailing trip with some friends of mine. And it was a, a friend of mine out in Arizona. He had invited myself and another mutual friend. We went out, and we actually sailed the Chesapeake Bay. Thankfully, it was his uncle's boat. He's an older guy. Turns out he's a bit particular about the boat. <laughs> so we're on this sailing trip. It kind of bounced around. I was around Annapolis. It was just beautiful out. It was great sailing weather, like 10 to 15-mile-an-hour winds. Um, and most of the time, first day and a half, we had been going downwind. So we didn't have to do this tacking maneuver where you're sailing into a headwind. Well, so finally, I had been working on a promotion. I was, I was working on a promotion to be this temporary assistant captain because I wanted to drive the boat. 
So I wanted to be at the helm. I'd been working a day on a half of this. Finally, we were, we were heading upwind. We were on our first tacking maneuver. He had us going about max speed again. Sailboats, you know, only go about four miles an hour on this older sailboat. So we're cruising up, and I get, I get the promotion. We have a little ceremony. I'm behind the helm. We're going to execute a tacking maneuver. Now, to get that promotion, I had to fill out an application. I put, I'm an experienced sailor. Now, now, thankfully, it didn't indicate how much experience, because I would have had to qualify that to say, about 25 years ago, I met the minimum qualifications to get sailboat merit badge at Boy Scout camp. <laughs> that was the extent of my sailing experience. So I'm at the helm of this 30-foot boat, and we're about to execute the tech maneuver, and I'm going, okay, I'm thinking back 25 years, I'm going, I remember that flipping that boat, because I, I went too fast, and I flipped the boats, all right, so I need to... I'm going to ease this thing into the, into the headwind and come across. Anybody who's been sailing knows where this is going. And I thought, well, these guys will catch up with me. I want to make sure I'm ahead. I get this boat swung around, and then these guys will catch up with the sails, even though they weren't quite ready. So I start, while well, the captain's trying to educate them on, on what they need to do as I move the boat around, I start easing the boat, I start turning the wheel, I ease it, and all of a sudden... We lost lift on the sail, and you know what I mean. I mean, it starts flapping around like crazy, and that captain looks at me and goes, you're done, to the front of the boat. So I got immediately demoted for my recently promotion. I got demoted to washbuckler. I had to do the, you know, the toilets for a day and swab the deck. But I was sitting on the front of the boat at that point, pondering what had happened. Now, he used some, some sailing terms I can't repeat in church because he was not happy with me about what had just gone wrong. I basically got this thing stuck directly into a headwind, and he couldn't even get it out of there. So he wound up having to start the engine, and of course, it wouldn't start, so it just made it worse. I'm up on the front of the boat, and the other guys are chuckling at me. Oh, you messed that up. And so, so finally, he gets this thing. He finally gets this thing turned, and we get the sails back up, and we're cruising along, and he explains how this works. He said, hey, look, you've got to use teamwork. We all have to be on the same page using the teamwork, and we have to get the sails in the right place to get lift. And as I'm sitting there pondering how much that applies to life, and especially the body of the church, about how we have to work together in the body of the church. We have to put the sails in the right place, and that's using our gifts to serve others and have the sails in the right place to get lift. And when we don't, it, you get a little mini disaster, which is exactly what I created when I didn't know what I was doing. So it's critical to work together. And when you get your sail in the right place, God gives you the power. Much like he fills the, the sail with air, he fills you with his power as well to use those gifts. And the beauty of it is he does that in sailing. You, he, God has created a way to sail into a headwind. And he can create ways for us as a church, as individuals, to sail into a headwind and deal with headwinds. So there's a lot of headwinds, you know, and, and Barbara did a great job talking about some of them, just the society impact on our kids and, and the things we have to overcome. Um, there's, there's a number of other things to where just the influence to where certain governmental politicians or other social influencers, they are celebrate behaviors that God considers sin. And, and we as a church body really have to struggle through that to figure out how do, we, how do we love them but not condone their behavior at the same time? How do we act like Christians and love them and not condone their behavior? 
And that's a really tough thing to do, you know, as a church body. But more importantly, us as individuals, we also face a lot of headwinds. I mean, it's from relationship issues with spouse, you know, with our family, uh, with friends, maybe with our own children, uh, dissatisfaction with jobs that we spend so much time at, self-doubt, anxiety and depression that is just like a gale force headwind every minute of every day. I mean, those are the headwinds we face as individuals and, and therefore we face collectively as a church. So one of the key things is what do you do in those cases? And I take this lesson that, that God kind of taught me from the sailboat and say, we all have to work collectively. We have to work together as a team, as the body of the church, using our individual gifts that God gave us to serve one another. And in doing so, we create lift in the body of the church and we lift each other up in that process. So every sale on a sale but has its purpose much like every member of a church has its purpose we all have our own gifts and the great thing is when we use our gifts to serve others we are serving God by doing so and we know that in fact don't show this verse yet I'm going to set Matthew 25 up here this is in chapter Matthew 25 um, or in, in Matthew chapter 25 Jesus is talking about the final judgment okay so this is like the end and he is, he's using an analogy of a shepherd separating people into sheep or the goats, okay? So, I mean, if you were to have a choice, if God's like on the fence and, and gives you a choice which one you want to be in, who's going to pick the sheep? All right, a few of you. Okay, the rest of you, unfortunately, are going to be cursed because the goats are cursed. And you can ask any Cubs fan how that works out for them. <laughs> <laughs> so so in this one you have to you want to be the sheep because what jesus does is he calls the sheep over and said hey you are blessed because when i was hungry you fed me when i was thirsty you gave me something to drink when i was naked you clothed me and he goes on with several other examples and the people are looking around going what lord i don't when did we do that for you and then show the verse, Matthew 25, 40 replies, he said, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So it becomes very clear in this verse, uh, and this is Jesus talking, it becomes very clear that when you serve others, that is how you're serving God. So we're starting to get away from the Old Testament where it's burnt offerings and other things, how you serve God. It's serving other people is how you do it now. So I can think of a time, in fact, going back about 18 years, kind of a tough time, actually. We faced a pretty strong headwind. There was one that actually Steph had a brain tumor, and she was pregnant at the same time. I'm trying not to look at them because they're going to start. So she was, about 18 years ago, she was diagnosed with this brain tumor. She was having a lot of pain in the back of her head. And, and we went in for the surgery and actually found out she was pregnant when we were going in for the surgery. So, she, you know, she was probably a month or so along. And 
apparently it's not real common. You know, it's common to be pregnant, obviously, well-known in this church. <laughs> Having a brain tumor, a little bit less so. And then when you throw the two together, it's really uncommon. And so the doctor's really struggling. And, you know, they, they said, well, it's the size of a lemon. And I thought, what a strange analogy, given that it's in her head to use a lemon as the analogy is a lemonade, and I thought, that's, surely there's something better. I mean, it's better than potato, but it, there's surely something better than that. But that was, that was the analogy the doctor used. He said, and, it, and it's growing up against the brain stem. So I said, that's what's causing the pain. And he said, um, you know, what we've got to do is we've, you know, we, you can't do surgery immediately because the, the baby's too young and we're going to have a problem there. But if you let it go too long, it could actually grow into the brain stem, and then you have a whole another serious problem in your hands. So their decision was to actually do the surgery um, right at the end of the first trimester. So they went ahead and did it then, and, and the surgery went well. Obviously, they're both here, um, so you guys all know how that ended. But I tell you what, it was, it was amazing that what we went through... Um, when I went into the room and she was there, and she was kind of laying on her side, and, and it, was, it was tough. She was in a lot, a lot of pain. And I just remember um, kind of looking, and, and of course I say, hey, how are you feeling? <laughs> She's not feeling very good. <laughs> and so she, um, as I walked around, she actually whispered. She said, I feel like an axe went through the back of my head. And so I walked around, and I was horrified. And, and I said, whoa, it looks like an axe went through the back of your head. <laughs> And I realized she was expressing her feelings. She didn't want validation that that's what it, <laughs> what it looked like. So I quickly realized I was, I was in trouble at this point. So, I mean, I knew it wasn't right how much pain she was in. So, you know, I do what I, you know, one of my gifts was I find people and put pressure on them until they come up with a better solution. <laughs> so, so I went out, I started pressuring the medical staff. And, and to their credit, probably within 10 minutes, uh, two of the three surgeons uh, came in the room and, and actually, I don't remember the, the, uh, the main surgeon. He was still in surgery, but it was Dr. Wang and Dr. Wong. Easy to remember. I thought, this is, this is great. I can remember these guys. I remember them this many years later. And uh, one, one of them was carrying, one of them was carrying, no kidding, a, a textbook as big as this archaeological Bible here. And he starts fishing through this thing. Yeah, and he's like, and, and they're talking a little bit in Chinese and a little bit to me. And they're describing how complicated this situation is because she's pregnant. She's on a myriad of medications because of the, the brain swelling and all the other stuff that's going on. And they're trying to find a painkiller that will not go through the placenta and affect the baby and deal with the pain and not have side effects and, and, and. And so they're literally fishing through the book, talking in Chinese, looking at me, trying to figure it out. And thankfully, they found something that, that worked. And it was a, wound up being a really controversial drug, Oxycontin, if you guys remember all the publicity that got. Yeah. So it was amazing impact on her, though, but tons of side effects. So that drug had side effects. All the other drugs she was on had side effects. So what we realized at that point was it was, it was the beginning of a journey. It was a beginning of time where we needed other people to help us. It was a six-month journey. I mean, we still had six months to go of pregnancy. And, and I just remember how many people stepped up to help us with their gifts and serve us in, in our time of need. You know, I mean, people teamed. We had, 
uh, meal trains probably three, four days a week for months. Um, the doctor across the street, I mean, he, he came over a number of times. He had actually heard about um, Steph's case uh, from the hospital, obviously before HIPAA laws. <laughs> Couldn't share that. <laughs> but he had heard about it. He came over, offered help. So I literally go knock on his door, and, and obviously before cell phones too. Um, so I'd go knock on his door, and he'd come over and help because, you know, when she was throwing up with a headache, was it morning sickness or, or was it serious brain swelling? We just didn't know. And as you're coming off of certain meds and on to other meds, you just have no idea how this is going to turn out. But I just remember, I mean, how challenging that was uh, for us to go through that and how many people stepped up to help us um, through that situation. Um, but as I thought, you know, they were doing really what Paul outlined in Romans, in Romans 12, 13. And you can show it up here. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Simple. I mean, Paul's not often simple, but he was, he was in this case. Very simple. And as I look back, I thought, you know, what did we do to deserve that? And it was really how much, you know, how much we had served before. We, we got way more back than we had given. But we had faithfully served for years in the church. And we had just been in that church a couple of years but we worked in the daycare. We served every Sunday in the daycare. We had Awanas. We worked in Awanas. Um, Steph had participated in a number of meal trains. And we had built a lot of friendships in the church just by serving others. And, I, you know, I can't really say there was anything in particular that we had received back up to that point. We just did it because we enjoyed it, and we met folks, and we enjoyed that process. But then, you know, the, the second thing that struck me was what, what uh, Jesus says in Luke 6.38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So I just thought, you know, that's, you have to invest to get that return. So we had invested, and I think the return we received was so much more than I think what we had put in. And we were so thankful. So it was just, it was the principle that Jesus had laid out, um, that you need to serve and, and then you will receive. Now this verse is often used in the context of money. I think a lot of televangelists probably use this one and promise a check, you know, twice the amount will show up in your, you know, magically in your, in your doorstep. Uh, but they completely miss the other, the whole other point of this, which is about using your God-given gifts to serve others as well. And, it, and it's about using those gifts, especially in the face of a headwind. When people are facing a headwind, teaming together to use our gifts to serve others. Now, you know, with that story in mind, you may think, gosh, you know, I'm so overwhelmed with life. How am I possibly going to serve others? You know, and isn't that the mindset that evil would love for us to have? That, that we just sit around and go, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not going to serve anybody else until they serve me. And then we would all be sitting here and nobody would serve anybody. It's got to start somewhere. There's a number of spiritual gifts, um, and I'll just outline a couple. Paul does a great job outlining these in Romans, Ephesians, Corinthians, and the New Testament. Uh, but it's teaching, leadership, healing, showing kindness, discernment, hospitality, encouraging, giving, shepherding, evangelism. And that's just a sampling of the gifts that Paul outlines in the New Testament. You know, and obviously when he's writing the letter to these 
folks, he's, they needed guidance as well. They needed guidance in the new way. They had been raised in a time to where really it was following the law and burnt offerings, and that tended to be how you serve God. He was educating them on the new way of how do you continually find joy in serving God, and that's by demonstrating love, by using your gifts to serve others, which in effect is serving God. And God will return those gifts in a greater amount through joy, peace, or using, you know, or encouraging others to use their gifts to serve you. Now, God has given each of us a number of gifts, and in fact, he's actually given us the freedom to do whatever we want with them as well. And so Paul clarifies this in Galatians 5.13. He says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And now, some of you, you know, some of you may be very familiar with what your gifts are, but if you're newer and you do not know what your spiritual gifts are, I highly encourage you. There's a number of apps on your phone you can get. There's a book, I'll just give you one book, it, it's pretty simple, it's Finding Your Spiritual Gifts um, by Peter Wagner, it's on Amazon, it's like $6. I strongly encourage you to, to look into what your spiritual gifts are, because uh, it's important to know uh, what your spiritual gifts are, so you can make sure you use those gifts and, and maybe avoid uh, trying to use gifts you don't have as well. And uh, so, sometimes we might look at others who have gifts and, and like that gift, and we go, you know, I, I think I might have that gift too, but we really don't. And then our ego maybe gets in the way. And, uh, and I had an unfortunate story where that happened to me about a month ago. We were coming back from, uh, from Easter, and, uh, and we got a flat tire. So we were coming back from St. Louis, and I got a flat tire. And, you know, any guy, we think, well, we're mechanically inclined. I'm a mechanical engineer, for crying out loud. I should be mechanically inclined. <laughs> Turns out I'm not so mechanically inclined. So, uh, so I get out. I'm like, well, I got this tire. It's a tire. I can fix the tire. So I, I get this stuff out, and, and I start to, to fix the tire, or I, I start to try and you know, look for all the stuff. And I knew I was in trouble when I'm looking for the, the kit in the back of the thing. And my wife goes, it's in the door, and, I, and it's right behind me in the door. I didn't even know where the stuff was. So I get the kit, I'm, I have the door open, I'm assembling this, and this thing's got a number of pieces. It's the one with the rod, you gotta stick way in, gotta get the notch, then you gotta crank it. Well, each of those pieces, you gotta screw together really tight. So I, I screw the first one, screw the second one. I go to screw the third one, no screw. So I'm like, well, that's the handle, that'll, that'll be all right. It doesn't turn out that way. So, so eventually I get the lug wrench, and I, I promise you that lug wrench is no longer than four inches long, and it was no match for the lugs that had been put on with an impact wrench, but I tried. I gave it a valiant effort to get those lugs off. I got one out of five, and I gave up at that point. We had to call for help. Uh, nice gentleman shows up about 45 minutes later, so I got to kind of stew in my, in my ego issues, how I couldn't change a tire. He shows up, and this poor guy is not, you know, immediately comes out with the impact. Joop, 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 you know, takes it off. Joop, 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 you know, puts the new one on, and I'm, you know, I'm really embarrassed at this point. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take the old tire and, and put it back under there. I'm going to show them I did know what I was doing. <laughs> so I wheel this. I'm, I'm trying to get this tire underneath the, the car, and I was struggling to get the stupid little bracket in the middle to get it to hook up. And, and he's done with everything. He's just standing there going, hey, you want me to do that for you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I got it. That was, that was a dumb mistake, too. 
So I'm still struggling with this thing. And he, and he finally, uh, and he's just standing there quietly. I finally said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't quite get this bracket in there. So I admit I'm having trouble. Uh, you mind trying to get this? And so he, he then sticks his head down, again, right below the handle that's loose. And he, he said, well, you got to put it down a little further. So I go to crank it down just a little bit more. And that handle flies off, hits him right in the back of the head. Yeah, I mean, and it hit hard. And I thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing. You know, you know, I felt like an idiot at that point. I'm apologizing. The girls are, are kind of witnessing this because they're in the, you know, two in the back seat and my wife, and I see two pair of white eyes do, you know, do, does this. So I'm like, oh, man, what's, you know. So, so, I, so finally he gets it hooked up, and then I'm, I'm cranking it up, and I've got the handle on okay. And then sure enough, it, get, it gets caught in there again. So I said, hey, do you mind looking to see if you could see if you could do this? But he's smart this time. He doesn't stick his head right under the handle. He knows how good I am at this. So he looks from the other direction like this. And sure enough, it was caught on something. So he, he punches it, and it loosens it up. And he goes, all right, give it give one more shot. And sure enough, I cranked that thing, and would you believe I did it again? That thing shot off like a missile on a F-18 Hornet right for his head again. I mean, it went at an angle this time. Nailed him right in the side of the head. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe I was so embarrassed. I'm, I'm mortified at this point. I'm, I'm profusely apologizing. All, all three sets of their eyes are like, and my wife's like, get in the car. Or you hurt this man anymore. So I'm feeling so bad. And you know how sometimes, like I have a tip ready. And you know, sometimes you have your right pocket tips, the nice tip, the left pocket's a little bit less. This was a two-pocket tip. I'm pulling, I'm pulling tips out of both pockets. And I go to hand him the tip. He puts his hands up and starts backing away from me like he's scared of me. I'm taking a step toward him. He's backing away faster. And I thought, he's going to fall over and hit his head again because of me. So I stopped chasing him at that point, and I thought, I'm, I'm just going back. I threw everything in the car, and, and I was just like, all right, we're, we're going to wrap this thing up and get out of here. So that's a story where you want to know your gifts, because if you can use your gifts, you bring joy to others. If you try to use gifts you don't have, it might be painful for others. Yeah. Oh, boy. So when people use their gifts in a church collectively, it is so powerful. Um, and, and really, when you use your gift, God fills you with the power. Just like a sailboat, when, when, a, when God fills the sail with air, he fills you with his power as well. And when you get in the right position and you can use your gifts to serve others, it creates lift for everyone and lift for the whole church going forward. Serving others is really one of the greatest sources of joy that you're going to be able to find. You know, think of some of the joyous times you maybe had if you've been on a mission trip where you've really served those in need, or you've served maybe some elderly, or, you're, or you serve children. Uh, I mean, those are some of the greatest joys that you can get. Yet, for some reason, we as humans on this broken earth, you know, we're just more tempted to serve ourselves first before we serve others. When we're a little bit down, you know, we tend to want to do something special for ourselves. And I challenge you, maybe try to do something special for someone else when you're down. Do, you know, the women will like this. Try to do something special for your wife, guys. 
and vice versa next time you're down and see how that makes you feel. You know, and that's why Jesus was such, um, such an example of servanthood. In fact, Paul further expresses this point um, in, in both Philippians and Galatians. Uh, so we'll look at Philippians 2.4 here. He says, abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And if we, let's revisit Galatians 5.13, but this time we're going to add 14 to it. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then you add 14, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that freedom that God gives you is your time, your energy, your resources, and your gifts that can be used to serve others and serve their needs. And if you use it to serve your own, you may actually be missing out on some of the gifts that God wants to give you, which are more abundance than what you can give to yourself. So I want to challenge you this week. Uh, I want you to think about, you know, at least one thing or one thing you could do reoccurring where you can serve others, whether it's something, whether it's a meal train or something here at church or just serving a, a neighbor in need. I want to challenge you to fight back some of the evil um, thoughts that will come into your head, and those are pretty common. I'm too busy this week. Oh, they won't appreciate it. They've never done anything for me. Uh, next week's a lot better for me. I'll just put it off to next week. I mean, all those things will come into your head. I want, you, I want you to pray to fight back against that and pick something this coming week to do for somebody else. When you do that, you make your sale flourish. And you'll be amazed when you use your gifts to serve others, the power that you'll feel that God fills you just like he fills a sail to lift others up just like he lifts a boat forward. If you serve others consistently, I think you'll be amazed at what you find God eventually returns to you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight knowing that we are sinners and flawed, uh, often fall into the temptation to serve ourselves uh, before we serve others. Lord, we invite you into our hearts this week uh, to intentionally fight against those evil temptations to steal joy away from us. We pray that our eyes are open for ways to serve others and that it will become obvious to us and, and a joy for us to serve others and use our gifts in doing so. And we ask that you begin to give us those experiences, those promises of joy as we lift others up around us and in doing so lift the body of the church. Amen.